Hello, welcome to Utabia. Stephen Chicken joined down the line by David Hartrick, and for very good reason, joined down the line, aren't we, Dave? Yes, yeah. Strange days. <laughs> Strange, Strange days. days. Our, our second go at recording this as well, so that's fun. We only got three minutes into it last time, so we've not lost too much. So, um, I, the, honestly, on the that three minutes though, the banter was oh. absolutely top notch. Yeah, it was. You wouldn't believe it. And now we've started again and the momentum's gone. You know what they say about, like, you know, confidence and momentum. Half-time just came at exactly the wrong time for us. And uh, and now you've ended up with this. It's terrible. <laughs> you know, business as usual. <laughs> exactly. We should probably talk about football in that there hasn't been any. Uh, we were quite optimistic. We recorded our last podcast just before everything sort of kicked off. We're not going to get too downbeat and we'll we'll try not to dwell on the the virus stuff because for one thing it changes from day to day anyway uh and also we think you probably want to to get something a little bit more lighthearted. so we'll get onto that in due course but we can't not talk about what's going on currently with the postponements and so on what's your take on it dave well i think i think you've got to look at it there, there's there's two things here there's a thing that exists and a thing that doesn't exist. And the thing that exists is the 2019-2020 football season. And the thing that doesn't exist is the 2020-21 season. And whatever happens, um, this season that exists has to be finished. Even if it runs very late into the summer, you know, (laughs) there is an argument that after all this, we'd actually quite enjoy having some football in the summer. <laughs> um, yeah. So if we have to play into June and July to get these nine or ten games um, finished and done and the cup competition's finished, then so be it. Um, but season 2021 doesn't exist. So if you need to, I don't know, drop the League Cup, drop the Europa League, um, start in September and drop the winter breakout, um, if you need to shorten the FA Cup, if you, whatever you need to do, do it to next season so that we can finish this one. Um, however you do it, both this season and next season are sort of going to have an asterisk in the history books anyway. That's the reality of the sort of the global news story we're all living right now. So, yeah, I'm firmly in the camp that says, A, this season has to be finished. The idea of null and voiding it is just crazy because, for a start, Leeds and West Brom would have incredibly strong loss of earnings lawsuits for somewhere in the reason of 120 to £150 million for a start. At least Uh, that's one season's worth of money, isn't it? Yeah, um, and I don't believe in all this well we could start next season um on the same points um you know as they're on now so it basically becomes a can anybody in the premier league catch liverpool and all that sort of thing it just that seems really silly to me when i'd have thought for instance if we could get all the games done and finished by the end of july give the players as august off and as much of september as the calendar will allow start the season in September drop the league cup so that you've got those midweek match slots for league games get rid of some international friendlies maybe yeah yeah which I think is is something that UEFA and FIFA are going to have to look at anyway because this isn't just England obviously this is 
this is worldwide. So the solutions are all going to have to be semi-aligned. Yeah, that seems to be the the logical and sensible way to do it. But yeah, you know, a null in the season and ho ho ho, Leeds won't go up and Brighton would stay up and Liverpool, you know, Liverpool won't be champions and all that. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Does it hurt for you to be agreeing with Simon Jordan on this matter? Well, uh, yeah. Uh, Simon Jordan <laughs> used to be chairman of, of a football club called Croydon FC. And yeah, we don't have much. Uh, we don't have much in common. It would be fair to say, but he's come out <laughs> with a five-point plan, which basically is everything I've been saying for the last week or so. Um, which is, you can alter next season. You can take the league cup out, take the winter break out, etc. Yeah, but this season for, exists. You can't do that. For once, we actually disagreed on something, and we had quite a long uh, chat about this the other day. Because my my sense was that they, I I can't see how if this goes past August, that I don't know. I can't see the practicalities beyond, or I couldn't see the practicalities. The way you've outlined it, and the more I thought about it, the more I sort of see the sense in it. But I just couldn't see how when you get past, if you go, if we go past August with the quarantine, and as you say, remember it's not just England. That you know, let's say you finish the season, you you give you rattle through it, um, and you decide who's getting promoted and relegated. If you're rubbing up against the start of the following season, then when are you meant to do your recruitment? You've almost got teams going into the Premier League or their new divisions at a massive disadvantage because they haven't had a chance to to do that that recruitment and and get in players of the requisite quality. So I found it very difficult to see how the longer this goes on if you can't get the season done by sort of end of July, how you can avoid voiding it. Um, I mean, if it, it a terrible case scenario, we're even talking, one of the things you mentioned was you could do a half season where you do a coin toss and it's mm. everyone plays each other once and you do a half season with no league title, but a bit of a, you know, a shield at the end of it, perhaps. Um, but they did that on the women's football a few years ago when they moved from the summer season to the winter season and it was dreadful. The, the games were essentially friendlies. No one cared about it. But I do take your point that this season has already started. It is a real thing and you know there are things, there are probably too many things on the line. The thing that sort of made me soften the position is when I wrote a piece about how much money Town might lose out on by, by not being able to finish the season and Town are going to be okay. We spoke to the chief exec Mark Devlin last week, and he said that Town are going to be okay. They've got money in the bank, etc. Um, but they're still, by my very rough calculations, which are a bit uninformed, but as a sort of you know finger in the air calculation, ending the season now would cost them about three million pounds, which is a decent chunk for a championship side. It's a player, so <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. a player basically. Yeah, well, it's and it's about twenty percent of of you know, what their revenues were last time they were in the championship, which is sort of the, the most comparable figure that, that I could come up with. So it is a it is a big deal. And you're right that if they can possibly finish the season, then they have to. Also, I quite like summer football. As I say, having, having done a lot of women's football when they were on the summer season, I actually really like going to games in June and July. So <laughs> yeah. I'm all up for that. Hopefully the, we're uh, in a position I, to I, play in June and July. Yeah, well, they, this is it. There's, there's a few... There's a few variables that we just don't know we 
like the, the the government's modeling and everything is for this to peak over Easter and then if we're all sensible for a few weeks we can get that curve to a point where it's manageable again and I would suggest that even if we have to begin with some games behind closed doors we yep. should be able to get the football season going in some fashion um but like in terms of recruitment and everything everything is in our hands you know so if I don't know if if the FA because bear in mind that the transfer deadline is not set by UEFA or FIFA. Bear in mind this is something we control. Yeah, the FA could turn around and say, "Do you know what? We're going to make the limit of recruitment because this is such a weird, bizarre situation. It's going to be New Year's Eve, so yeah. people can, you know, if the season starts late September." you can recruit all through October, November, December, just because this is such a ridiculously unique, weird situation, yeah. which it is. That I think a lot of people, and a lot of people have been commenting on this, are forgetting that the windows of seasons finishing and recruitment and stuff are defined by football. It's not law. You know, we don't have to yeah, get yeah. these things done by some arbitrary date or, I don't know, they come around and kill your kids. It's like, <laughs> it, it, this This is all in our hands. So yeah, my, my, my issue was not, oh, well, you can't move the transfer window from September. It was they need to have a month or so between the end of one season and the next one starting to yeah. do that recruitment. You can't just uh, end, it, end one week and start the next week. But, but, the, but as you they're say, already, you find the gap. You know, they're already talking about players who were going out of contract uh, in June. Um, yeah sort of getting automatic extensions basically on a monthly basis obviously as long as the clubs are okay with that and this includes it's, loans it's tri- that's very tricky under eu law though that's the thing the players would have to consent to it yeah but i i think there's going to the be very would, wouldn't they? yeah there's going to be very few cases where that's going to be an issue but there's also um the loans as well which affects Huddersfield big time because they don't want to kick football off and not have Emil Smith-Rowe or Jonas Lurs or yeah. Chris Willock etc they're looking at all these things they're doing all these things you've just got to we've just got to wait and see but yeah there is a real chance with this thing that we might all be inside till June July we just don't know so I think there seems the other side of it there seems to be this rush to get an answer this, yeah, this is, is what it. we're going to do it's like, well, no, because we just don't know. And again, at the moment, in this situation, things aren't great. But the one thing we have, we all have, is a lot of time on our side. Yeah, this um, is it. I, I, I totally agree. I think it's good that they've moved the Euros back because it at least creates a bit of room for decisions to be made. With those Euros there, it it was impossible to, to make any kinds of decisions. It's obviously right, that, that not just for health reasons, but just from a footballing perspective, that they've they've called that off. Um, Can I make but, a prediction on the Euros, just to cheer everybody up? Yeah. Uh, looking at a lot of the news around this virus and the longer-term aspects of it, etc., I'm still not convinced that they... Um, are going to go ahead with the multi-city, multi-country mm. model next yeah. summer because I'm not convinced next summer they are going to want a migration of football fans all around Europe if they can avoid it. I think they might 
want them to come they might want to do it in one country um because it's just easier to control in terms of people coming in and out and tests and checking etc and there's probably three countries in Europe who could put on a European Championships at the drop of the hat and one of them had the semi-finals and the final for this summer's Euros yeah so I just wonder I just wonder if we might get a European Championships in England next summer on the no 25th idea. anniversary mm. yeah. no you know no inside knowledge or anything like that but I do just wonder if we might get Euro 2021 in England we'll see we'll see yeah we should probably get away from this subject because as I say this uh, this could all have be completely out of date by the time you listen to it so apologies everyone's had enough of it as well yeah that's the thing <laughs> We should talk about something more cheerful, and we've decided that this week we're going to talk about the things that we've seen at Huddersfield Town that have sort of made us feel good, made made us feel optimistic. Dave, do you have one to start us off with, or do you want me to, to lead us off? Well, I I think it would be foolish for either of us to start off with anything other than Emil Smith-Rowe, really, who has completely changed the dynamic of that attack. And I know he's on loan, but I think, A, a the fact you were able to get a, uh England young England international from a top Premier League club who has obviously got a very big future ahead of him and had a lot of clubs after him to come to Huddersfield is, is a brilliant thing. And B, the fact that he's managed to come in under the Cowleys and the Cowleys have... After me and you sat there, watched his first 45 minutes and thought, he's not trying to get on the ball here, he's drifting about doing nothing. He came on after half-time and had like a 20-minute cameo, and ever since then he's just been absolutely brilliant. So he is obviously getting him to to, to play more in a Huddersfield Town shirt before the end of the season, whenever that is. That is obviously a very bright thing, and every Town fan I would suggest should try and watch him at least once so that when eventually he gets his England <laughs> cap, you can say, oh, remember him in a town shirt. Yeah, he he has been fantastic and we, we've given him, you know, his due. I, I, I think you're right. I think the the big positive there, obviously, is, you know, he's not going to be a town player next season, you wouldn't have thought. Um, I would imagine that Arsenal would want him playing Premier League football next season, whether that's for well, Ozil's going to go, isn't yeah, he? Exactly. So Smithrow is going to effectively go directly up one in the in the ranking, isn't he? Yeah. So even if they don't think he's quite ready for to play for them yet, and I think they'd be daft not to at least look at him and give him a go. I think a, a Premier League loan uh, would be what they're looking for, not Championship loan, unfortunately, because he's already yeah, he's already shown he's 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 above the Championship level. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you say, that the overriding positive is that, as with Camille Grabara and Trevor Chalaber, they've, despite everything and despite the league position and things like that, they've shown that they can convince big clubs to to send their, you know, their prize assets to Huddersfield Town, which is a massive, massive boon because 
they've acknowledged that that is a big part of their recruitment policy. You know, they they did it with Aaron Moy, they did it with Danny Ward in the promotion season, and that they have said is going to continue to be one of the cornerstones of their recruitment policy. So, to I mean, Danny Kelly said that they'd been speaking to him since November, so they'd been on to him for for months before he signed and. Yeah, it's it's a positive that they are able to attract these young players and convince them when they'll have had a million other options that that Huddersfield yeah. is a great place to develop. I can I can tell you a little bit of ITK, Steve. I can tell you, Town <laughs> were far from the only club in for him as well. Mm-hmm. There was there was about seven or eight clubs with offers in, and when like I'm not going to say the words Rian Brewster, <laughs> but when. Other teams sort of looked elsewhere. It was a fantastic coup to sell the club to Smith Rowe and his agent and to Arsenal. I think um, fans probably need to know as well that that's also where some of the caution about playing him too often comes from. And when we sort of finish the season in whatever truncated fashion it happens, he will not be able to play every single game. That is weird. Between us, we're fairly certain that's a condition from Arsenal after what happened when he went to Leipzig last season, which is where he got an injury and they didn't manage it properly. And basically, it was it was a bit of a disaster yeah. his loan there. So, but yeah, I I think any town fan who can get to see Smith Rowe in a town shirt should do it because he's he's going to have a very big future ahead. Yeah, big things. Another midfielder to move on to another positive. Uh, just sort of from the season in general, the big pleasant surprise of the season, and we've kind of forgotten about what a pleasant surprise it was, is Lewis O'Brien. You know, he's he's come into the team, we, we saw him in pre-season playing out in Austria, or I did. <laughs> and uh, and he was the best player out in Austria. He was, You know, the first game that they played against Greuther they played them twice in a single day. And he was in the starting lineup in the morning game alongside, you know, Aaron Moy. And basically, the what was looked like the first team and it's like oh if they put him in there to kind of get a bit of experience from playing alongside the more senior players because he was you know obviously he was the the you know he's, he's had the academy player of the year and things like that it's highly thought of but he hadn't played first team football for town he was at Bradford City last season so but either they or Jan Siever intended to play him from the start of the season and was putting him in that side for a reason or and I think this is probably more likely, he was so good in those friendlies that he basically made it impossible not to pick him because he did everything in those friendlies that we've seen him do. You know, since he started, he really, really took his opportunity from those games and he's continued that on. I mean, I was talking to someone recently who was saying the challenge now for him, because he's on to get player of the season this year, is can he maintain it next season? But... (laughs) I think we've seen enough to suggest that he's got a bright future out of him. Yeah, massively. I, I, satisfyingly, I people who want to listen back to early season pods, I was, I, I think even in the season preview one, I said, Lewis O'Brien is is going to be a huge part of town season because I did quite a few Bradford games last year and he was he was always the best player in a very poor side, um, and he's got. He's got all the attributes to a. He's already an excellent championship midfielder, but b. He seems really willing to. He he learns, doesn't he? You know, yep. you don't see him make the same mistakes all the time. Um, and it 
he looks every inch a sort of future Premier League midfielder to me, one way or another. But he also seems a very Cowley player. Um, you know, full of running, full of heart, very good on the ball, very good at, you know, playing between the lines and very adaptable so that, I mean, I don't like him as a 10, but he has played as a 10. He's played wide, he's played as a full-back, he's played as a defensive midfielder, he's played as a straight central midfielder. Yeah, he's he's just a brilliant young player, isn't he? Yeah, really, really good and, and a great attitude as well. I think that's as much what makes him a Cowley player as anything else. You know, you, along with a few other of the young lads at, at town, you talk to him and he's he's got his head screwed on properly. He's obviously... Mm. He's extremely professional. I mean, we've spoke. He's spoken before about how uh, at Bradford they didn't have, you know, their own gym. They didn't have full time access to a gym, and he went out and, you know, um, and and made sure that he was getting the sessions that he needed off his own back, which I think a lot of players at that club weren't doing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's probably why they got friends, relegated. So. Come to think of it. Next positive, while we're on about Cowley players. Toffolo soldier, <laughs> he plays for the Terriers. I think Toffolo has been, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's been a revelation since he's come in, but he's he's slotted in and looks like he's played at that level in that team for three years, doesn't he? Um, and he provides a different... Uh, uh, since Toffolo's come in, that the complete shape of Town's attack has altered so that Grant can truly play as an inside, you know, an inverted winger because he's got Toffolo on the overlap. Mm. Smithrow pulls out to the right when possible rather than having to do anything on the left because you've got two over there all the time. He's chipped in with a couple of assists already. He's got a great goal. Yeah, you know, for the for the money they paid for him as well that's a move that couldn't really have gone much better, could it? No. And, yeah, I mean, we, we we highlighted left-back as a problem position sort of in our season previews because we weren't convinced on Congolo and the only backup they had were Jaden Brown, who came in and, and, you know, did well, but but as well as he anyone could have expected him to. But I think it's fair to say this season came a bit a bit soon for Jaden Brown. Although he's... Yeah, Jaden Brown's a very, very... Br- I mean, he's really good defensively. But he's got a lot to learn going forward. The the attacking part of his game is lacking, whereas that's what was so notable when Toffolo came in, you know, even in his debut, just straight away looking for the overlap, straight away looking to cross the ball, straight away pushing Grant to go inside mm-hmm. rather than coming into his space. Um, yeah, I mean, again, for the money they've paid for him, it just looks a, a brilliant signing, doesn't it? Yeah, and again, another one with the absolutely the right attitude uh i think if you watch his interviews that he's done with the sort of the club's official youtube channel and things like that is you know he's a he's a character but not a character in that in the way that like robbie williams is a character you know the kind of person that's going to yeah. take his shirt off at a party um yeah. <laughs> he's uh yeah. you know he's he's just a, a good lad but but got you know a sense of humor and his priorities straight um, which, which is good. That's exactly the kind of people that they they want at the club, and it just so happens that he's also a brilliant left back who's going to give you a seven out of ten pretty much every game, regardless of the opposition. Mm. But he's also 
the, the, one of the areas we'd pointed out was that the, the town just weren't getting any uh, assists from the fullback areas. Yeah. Uh, never mind goals. They just they weren't getting anything. I think Flo had one, um, and that was the Charlton game, and that was when they basically threw everything at the wall in the last few minutes to to see what what could stick. So he set up Grant against fact, Fulham as well. In, in yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, wasn't he playing higher in that game against Ch- Charlton? He was playing. Yeah, he ended. Play, he played on the left wing against Charlton, so that that one doesn't even count. Yeah. yeah, the only one he got was was the cross for Grant against Fulham. Yeah, so the the fact he's come in and he's, I would suggest that's Town's left back position sorted for three years. Yeah, at least <laughs> you know that that's, and even then, I think. I mean, he'll be late 20s at that point. Even then, I think that he'll either be perfectly fine in the role or they'll be selling him for a hell of a lot of profit. So, yeah, fine, good. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Another one from me. Uh, It's been really good to see Steve Mounier getting his mojo back. And we've talked before about him being a cult hero. And let's be honest, Mm. he was the kind of cult hero where it's like, oh, he's a bit rubbish, but we like him anyway. And that that's what he'd become, you know, he's everyone's always gonna love him for those goals against Palace on his debut and he was always gonna have his name sung just for that reason alone. But he looked like a he looked utterly lost at the end of last season. That Liverpool game in particular I always remember. You know, he looked like he was running through treacle trying to get onto the ball. He he was completely lost at sea. And even at the start of this season it was he could, you know, we were talking about he could be a good player in the championship, but at the moment it's hard to see where he fits in. It's still quite, he still isn't entirely the player that fits into the Cali system, which is why he's not been starting that many games despite his goal scoring form. But he's scoring goals. You know, he's he's got a good few in his, his last, what is it, 18, 15 or something like that. Um And half of those have been off the bench. I think only one of the goals has actually been any good. All of the others have been the most the most terrible goals you've ever seen. Dirt Cow against Strikers goals. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the polite euphemism, isn't it? But it's just yeah. It's we know that he was a bit frustrated about everyone talking about him being out, you know, are you gonna be leaving the club, blah blah blah. He was getting we, we have heard that he was getting a bit frustrated by that kind of talk. He'd always insisted that he was happy to stay at the club and it's just good to see him with a smile on his face and enjoying his football again. Yeah, I, longer term, I still don't know if he is. Put it this way, I don't. I, I don't want to talk about the virus again, but it <laughs> regardless, it will completely change clubs' recruitment plans yeah. and what's happening going forward. I don't know if Steve Mounier is still a Huddersfield Town player next season. I would think it would probably suggest. Well, it would depend on whether a club comes up with an offer that Town think is fair for him. I think if if they do, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go just because he's. I know he's still one of the the higher earners there, but if not, he has turned himself into a a, a pretty effective weapon in the Cowley's arsenal, but. It's also a, you know, it's also a symptom of Steve Mounier's return to goal scoring form. It's very much a symptom of the the new shape of Town's attack, yep. and the fact that 
he is a striker who needs a couple of chances to score and he's now getting a couple of chances to score. At the start of this season, you could see he was a man who believed if he didn't take the chance, it was going to be four or five days before he might get another <laughs> in yeah. another game. And that, that weighs particularly heavy on a striker's mind. Now he he's playing with more freedom, but yeah, you know, he can't do the highly specific job that Fraser Campbell does, but he he scores. He scores goals and yeah. as a striker that's that's all you want really. My next one to just slightly move away from the pitch really is that we're now sitting here in March, admittedly very strange days, but it's good to see that the club has now got its structure in place. Um, Over the summer, Phil coming in, being delayed by the FA hearing, then being delayed by the National League, not liking the structure of how he was selling his share in Southport, didn't help. Dean Hoyle's illness didn't help not having a Mark Devlin type figure in there didn't help. Jan going, um, changes to the board, chief exec, etc, etc. It's been it's been tumultuous and all of these things, directly or indirectly, do end up bleeding onto the pitch in some fashion, whether it's recruitment or morale or uh, you know, there's a there's a world of, of things that happen. And yeah, it's a funny situation, but the summer and a pre-season um, with a, a, a proper structure in place is going to be, even in these truncated circumstances, is going to be handled, I would suggest, a hell of a lot better than last summer was. And if you think there's a lot of recruitment to be done, but the evidence we've seen from the current recruitment team has been pretty... Pretty good, to say the least. Um, you've got the right manager in charge. You've got some some hope and some morale back into that team and squad of players. And now they have the structure around them at all levels of the club. It feels a hell of a lot more positive than it did, you know, let's be honest, even four months ago. Mm. Um, and as I said, that's, that's a, a big positive for me. Because um, what town need more than anything next season is for all the news stories to be on the pitch we don't want any more you know having to write and talk about chief execs or technical directors or board members or managers or coaching reshuffles or academy stuff they need a season of just all getting on with their jobs um, which you know I have every confidence they will do now yeah they're in a good position to do that it'll be interesting to see I think next week or before the end of this month, I think we should be getting the accounts for 2018-19 and it will be interesting to take a look at those because I fully expect that that will support everything Phil Hodgkinson has said about where the Premier League money has gone. The, you know, the fact that, that there's, you know, that it was all spent on wages and transfer fees and bonuses because that billing is on instalments, yeah. so that's not just eighteen million quid that just arrived in a in the back of a van. Yeah, I mean, we unfortunately we won't get this summer's trading, um, or the summer's just gone trading as part of those accounts because it will go up to the end of 
June, I believe, um, of 2019. But we should get a little bit more certainty. Now, I mean, if there is anything wrong with those accounts or anything doesn't match up, then, of course, we'll, you know, we'll be going through it with a fine tooth comb and, and try to get to the truth of it. But my, my hunch would be that it will back up what Hodgkinson said on the other podcast. Um, and There's another podcast? Yeah, there are other podcasts. And I think that it'll be interesting to see what the reaction to that is. I think there will still be, there will always be fans that that will keep shaking the cage and saying, yeah, but where's the money? And can't see how it adds up and so on. But I think that for a lot of people that, that will probably help calm things down just as it did after after Hodgkinson gave that interview in the first place. And as you say, you know, they've, they've now got, I think January as well is the other thing that sort of set a lot of people um, at ease. Not to say everything's perfect still, but, you know, the, the signings they've made have all looked good, um, which bodes well for, for when the next transfer window opens. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Again, to talk about the virus, just uh, even though we're supposed to be avoiding it, the next season's championship is won or lost on who copes with the uh, the different whatever form the recruitment window takes. Yeah. So it's whichever club basically gets it right, because there's going to be some very good clubs who don't handle it particularly well. My, it would be my my honest prediction and there will be other clubs who will make up a lot of ground very very quickly if they get their recruitment right and if they're making moves already to you know to talk to players and to line things up and to talk to clubs and I sort of after January I I just have a confidence that town are doing that I just think there's there's I think there's every reason to assume that yeah they'll they'll they will have their plan in place and they will reshape it to fit whatever form the window takes, you know? Yeah, that's it. I think if nothing else, this regime have shown that they're adaptable. Mm. Um, you know, they made the change quickly with Jan. They they got the Cowleys in, they made sure they got, you know, the the candidate they wanted, even though it was a bit of a um a bit of a struggle to convince them at first. They they got them in. You know, you just even things like you think about Camille Grabara's head injury that kind of threw a bit of a spanner in the works in terms of their January recruitment and you know that at that point they still were saying we want a winger but we're not sure if it'll happen we now need to go and get a goalkeeper we'll have to see who we can get and they ended up getting the winger they wanted and getting the best goalkeeper they could possibly have got so I know that Jonas Lerzel kind of fell into their lap a little bit but <laughs> you know they still they still got it done and got Willock over the line as well so you know the David Webb as well, you know, they've quickly identified that that hasn't worked out and they've made the change that was necessary there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Mark Devlin, they made sure that they had a successor for Julian Winter and that post wasn't left um, unfilled. And and, and Devlin, Mark Devlin is, is a quite an impressive individual. Yeah, and if you look at his record this, at Brentford. Yeah, well, not only his record at Brentford, but I mean, if you... We we've both chatted to him very very briefly. You far longer than me. He's mm. just a very, I don't know. He just feels a very safe hand <laughs> on yeah, the tiller, definitely. really. Yeah. And I think there will be one or two town fans who are listening to this who are still a bit anti Phil and still a bit are not 
not willing to go with us on this one. But yeah. I think the difference is last season ended and it felt like the day after the last day of the season was the first time anybody at the club actually thought about recruitment and what happens next. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like that's the case this time. It feels like people have been thinking about next season since before Christmas. So we'll we'll see, but I think yeah, yeah. Well, the, in terms uh, yeah. of positivity, just having having levels of the club better managed and with with better people in there is going to bleed onto the pitch longer term. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they were thinking about the the recruitment, but I, I know what you mean. It 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 did kind of feel that way. I think the problem was they had so much kind of. Uh, so much dead wood to get out that it was, you know, hard. They couldn't see the trees for the dead wood. I don't know something there. Uh, but they sat. The part of the problem there, though, Steve, was they they sat on it. They yeah. didn't, you know. They you never got the feeling they were being proactive in trying to shift players and wages on. It was a case of, don't worry, people will buy them, and mm. it's like no. <laughs> You know, let's let's be honest. Uh, nobody had seen anything from uh, I don't know Damadia Carby to go and pay nine million quid to buy him. Nobody had seen anything from Mbenza barring a goal against uh, Man United and a wrecked mm. corner flag to suggest you would pay anything over a million quid for him. So yeah, that just them. wouldn't happen again. You know, these these players are out on loan are still going to have to be shifted in the summer. Yeah. But you get the feeling this time it's a case of yeah, they one way or another they will shift them. Whether they make any money on them is another story, but they're more interested in getting the balance of that squad right and getting the 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 harmony in the dressing room right over making money on, you know, ultimately things that have proved to be a bad investment. And they know what they need this time. I mean, it's it's worth saying an awful lot of players left last summer. And I don't think we're going to see anything like that kind of exodus. It was a massive rebuilding job. And they acknowledged even at the time that it was going to be a three-window project. They've yeah. now, I think they've now tacked at least one more window onto that. But I think if you, if you take into account academy players as well, I think there was something like 32 departures, you know, over the summer. Including the the various academy players and you know reserve players that contracts weren't renewed and yeah that's not a normal <laughs> no that's not a normal window that's not a normal summer turnover unless you're Chelsea and your reserve squad is a small village just outside of Cobham <laughs> you know yeah. so that the, I just can't see that happening again. Yeah. under the, the current regime and that can only be a good thing there, there will be departures i mean there's lots of players that are you know players that have been playing regularly this season that are out of contract they've got a oh, lot yeah. of play, they've got a lot of players that are currently on loan that are first team players and then you've got players that are going to be in demand like carl and grant so it's not like they don't have a lot of work to do this summer but i agree with you i think they have a very very strong sense of what they need and like i, I know it sounds strange but i think having had a year in the championship they know where the level is now um, yeah whereas it i i think coming back down from the premier league after two years away i think it was i think in hindsight it was a bit of i, I think they kind i don't know i get the sense certainly with and the fitness thing adds to this as well that they underestimated what was going to be needed for the championship in some yeah. regards and i think but now what they you know 
what you like it was so unique because they never should have gone up they never should have stayed up and then they didn't want to come down yeah <laughs> so it was just a, like a series of confounding expectations that then led to a summer where like mistakes were made there's absolutely no doubt in last summer there was a series of mistakes made but like Phil is not immune to criticism he made a lot of mistakes himself when he came in but by the same token in a very short space of time and I'm literally talking till January you saw he had learnt from those mistakes and he had realised a little bit that football is an island it doesn't work like any other business in the world and yeah, you know, as I said, in terms of positives, I just think that the current levels of structure there are at the club are a world away from where they have been or where they were, and that that can only be a good thing longer term. Yeah, agreed. Fantastic. Do you have any more positives before we uh, wrap up, Dave? Uh, it would be a huge positive if they finally got gravy in the press room. Potentially oh, yeah. some pick and mix. Yeah. Um, but no, I this. think. The the only point I wanted to the the only other point I wanted to make is that like we 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 say this all the time, Steve, but we are very heavily invested neutrals. We're not fans, but we are football fans, and we know what football fandom is about. Huddersfield Town, regardless of where they finish this season, are actually a hell of a lot better off than they were last season even though they were a Premier League club mm. which seems a sort of semi-backwards thing to say for a team who are going to have spent much of the season in a relegation fight in the Championship but in terms of positives or high notes or good things there's going to be a lot coming in the future because you've you've got the structure, you've got the right managers in. You know, neither of us have mentioned Danny and Nicky Cowley as being a positive, but yeah, they, we're taking that they as really, really are. So it, it's an odd one. It's an odd one. But we know that there'll be people listening to this who just disagree and don't think there's been anything good to come out of the season other than Lewis O'Brien. Yeah. That's absolutely fair enough. But you're on an upward curve there is a definite upward trajectory there and the other thing is we have made a conscious decision going into this podcast that we want to <laughs> spread a bit of good news because i think there's been you know we could easily do a what have all the negatives been and sit and list it off but we just felt that for this week's pod that's probably not what people want to to hear at the moment so no. Yeah, and I mean that over the next few weeks, just looking at what we've got lined up, um, next week is just an hour of me and you playing sensible soccer. <laughs> the weekend after, we're going to watch a Bake Off together and do a live yep. live text commentary on it. Uh, so we have got stuff lined up, Steve, haven't we? Yeah, there's uh, there's things things in the works. So yeah, obviously keep listening. Lovely. One way or another, we'll keep going. We will. Thank you for joining me, Dave. No problem. And uh hope you're looking forward to a week of homeschooling next week. Fun, isn't it? I love my daughter, and that should be put to the test. <laughs> Excellent. Right, fantastic. Thank you very much for listening. If you like the episode, please recommend it to a friend. Make sure you subscribe so you get every episode in your feed as soon as it comes out. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Be sensible. Stay healthy. <laughs> Who's the real Italian? Who's the real Italian?